Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Uh, it's NFL week number two. It kicks off tonight only on 97.3 ESPN. Turn us on, leave us on. The game tonight, you only hear it one place. Bengals and Browns, 97-3. Yes, it doesn't sound sexy, Bengals and Browns, but you got Joe Barrow, the number one overall pick of the draft. You have Baker Mayfield, the former number one overall pick in the draft. Got a little bit of glow on it, doesn't it? On a scale of I one think to so. scale of one to ten, I'm giving it a five and a half. Really? I'm giving it a little bit more than that. Maybe it's because it's the second week of football. If this was week nine, maybe I would feel differently about it. I gotta but tell I'm you. giving it more like a, a seven. Yeah, Joe Burrow, I'm interested in that. You know, A.J. Green used to be so much fun to watch, you know. He's back. They got Mixon's a very talented running back. The Browns with Odell. I mean, whatever. What happened to him, man? What happened to him? Find out tonight, 97.3 ESPN's coverage begins at 8 o'clock. Don't forget, game night tonight. Andy McNamara at 6.15 is on game night with Josh Henning. That's coming up right after us here on the Sports Bash. It's time for the NFL schedule. First time, first look. We give you our one thought on every game. We try to guess the odds. And here we go tonight. We got Bengals. We got Browns. I'm going. Browns are at home. There's 6,000 fans in attendance. Now, last week, by the way, in my pick em pool that I got to pick every game against the spread, I went 12 and 3. Ooh. 12 and 3. But that doesn't mean I know the spread right on the nose. But I'm going to go 3. Cleveland favored by 3 over Cincinnati. I think Cleveland is going to be favored as well. They do have the handful of fans there, and yes, a, 6, a handful 000. is yes, a handful is the proper way to describe that. They have more talent on the roster, without a doubt. It's like when you look at their roster, you would think that they would be better, but the Cleveland Browns sometimes just do Cleveland Brown things. I do think that they're favored, and I like the standard three as well. Gentlemen, gentlemen, you have a minus six. For Jeez. the Browns at home. It opened wow. at minus seven and a half. It's actually going down minus 1.5 points because 60% of the bets are going Bengals, boys. Gil, I like the Bengals. You told me that before the show today. Yeah. Now, does your uh, does your uh, DraftKings guy, last week they had that no-brainer thing. Do they got the no-brainer thing going? Not the if you If you're trying to get Cincinnati uh, plus 100, I don't think that's an option this week. Going to have to check that one out. It's right? a hell of a bet. Yeah, the no-brainer bet. I won 100 bucks last week betting a dollar on something. It was like, okay, this is pretty cool. All right, let's go to the Sunday slate. The Giants, the Bears, two classic organizations. New York on the road. They ran for six yards. They have the worst offensive coordinator that you could ever think of in Jason Garrett. He's a clown. But the Bears coming off a come-from-behind victory on the road last week. Now they come home. You know, I like that Bears defense two years ago. What happened to them? Last year they fell apart, and they weren't very good the other day. Allen Robinson, keep an eye on him. We'll see how Barkley match, uh, fares in week number two. I'll go Chicago at home favored by three. 
I actually like this New York team. I, I don't. I think you saw them run out of gas against the Steelers, but I do feel that they might be able to win some football games this season. Darius Slayton looks like to be a stud, by the way. He's super fun to watch. I do think that Chicago is going to be favored in this game, though. You're right. The defense, Khalil Mack, that line, it was unbelievable, and you couldn't get anything going whatsoever on them. It seemed to take a step back. Impressive win, and I think that's going to uh, help out the lines for sure. I I like Chicago. Maybe a little more heavy than three, though, by the odds makers. Maybe I'll go four. Chicago by four. Chicago's favorite by minus five and a half, gentlemen. Jeez. So you're both a little off on that. We should note, though, that this game is being bet two different directions. The Giants are being bet on the spread at 65%, but also 60% of the betters are going under 42. Hmm. All right. Uh, that's an interesting. Under 42 on that one. All right. Atlanta at Dallas. Dallas comes off a loss. Both teams coming off the loss. I thought the Dallas Cowboys defensively struggled in that game. Even though they only gave up 20, I thought they had some problems on the defensive side of the ball. I wasn't all that impressed with the creativity, with the weapons. They had some of the best weapons in the league. C.D. Lamb, uh, Amari Cooper, Zeke Elliott, and yet they still didn't look like they had this prolific offense. The Falcons looked like they had a prolific offense. Can they take that show on the road? Falcons, though, struggle on the road a lot. So I like Dallas in this spot, and I would imagine Dallas is probably favored by five and a half. See, the the last couple lines have been so aggressive. Now I'm trying to think about why are they so aggressive? But with this one, I do believe that Atlanta has some firepower under them. I'm going to go Dallas, and I'll go with the standard three. Well, the line splits the difference, gentlemen. It's Dallas by four and a half. So you guys are kind of you know, too much too, too much the other way. 89% of the bets are going over 53. A lot of points. People expect it's points in this game. Points. All right, it's Jacksonville. It's Tennessee. This game's normally on two Thursday night football, but they're putting it on a Sunday this week. 1 o'clock, CBS. Nissan Stadium, Nashville. Um... I like Tennessee this year. I didn't love them on Monday night in terms of how they looked. Jacksonville, I know, was coming off a impressive win where Gardner Minshew had three TDs. But I think Tennessee is just too solid, too stout defensively. I like Tennessee at home. I'm going to go Tennessee by six against the Jags. Yeah, I'm going to go with the same exact thing. Maybe it's a touchdown, but I'll go with six. Gentlemen, it is a Tennessee by eight and a half. Wow. And this game opened, though, at 11 for Tennessee. It's dropped three full plus points because 83% of the betters are buying the Minshew magic. We'll start you, Gil. Um, I don't not like Minshew. I just think he's up and down. He's just a guy up and down. I, I honestly feel, and maybe this is disrespectful, but I feel like he's Phil Gosselin on the hot streak, or he's Andrew Knapp on the hot streak. Like, he's not this good, but whatever he's doing right now seems to work, and there's got to be a time where it won't work anymore. Is that fair? Not bad. Thanks. <laughs> Minnesota, Indianapolis, Colts at home. Awful loss last week on the road, I know, but Jacksonville 
uh, many people thought weren't trying to win games. Minnesota in a shootout last week. They lost at home. They come here. We heard uh, what JR said. He likes them, Minnesota, to win it outright. And I think I'm going to say the line was three. I'm pretty sure. It opened at three. I don't know where. They, these lines have been moving all over the place. Uh, I like Minnesota, though. Um, Indianapolis, though, they're one of those teams that, because of the new quarterback, you know, with Rivers there, I don't know, I guess we thought Rivers is better than Brissett, but I kind of like Indianapolis at, I like that team at times last year, but they're just so up and down. They have like 9-7, and 8-8 eight and eight written all over them. I like the Vikings coming into this year, so Vikings plus three. Well, it is Vikings plus three on the line. So, mm -hmm. JR had that right. You had that right, Mike. And you mentioned, though, it opened at a certain number. It did open at two and a half. So, we do know that it didn't move because of the money. 78% of the bets are going Minnesota right now on the public bets. We also should note that this game is 85% of bets over 80, 48 and a half. Hmm. All right. We lost you there for a second. Yeah, I'm back. I'm back. Yeah, I did lose you. So, I do think, I don't know if this was said or not because I couldn't hear anything, but I, I do think that Minnesota, that line, the plus three, I think the public's probably going to take that to start moving that line in the other direction. What do you think? Uh, just because Indy lost last week, yeah. But so yeah, did Minnesota. It's, it, it's a Min good line. Minnesota lost last week, too, though. That's true. That's very true. And they didn't look very strong against that Green Bay team. They got their butts whooped. Yeah, they gave up, what, 44 points or something like that? A good point. All right, let's go to, next up, Buffalo at Miami. These aren't your, what, brothers, Buffalo Bills? Your dad's Buffalo Bills were really good. Your brother's Buffalo Bills weren't very good. These are somewhere in the middle, I guess. Uh, Miami's been terrible for a long time. Buffalo on the road, though. This is going to be an interesting spot to find out, okay, can I take care of business early season on the road in a game I'm going to be favored on the road? I know they got to be favored in this game. I'm going to go Buffalo by four on the road at Miami. Will we see Tua finally? You read my mind. I like Buffalo at four as well. I want to see if Josh Allen can say, listen, fellas, let's go in there and let's take care of business. You saw Miami last year sneak away with some wins against some teams that they shouldn't have won. The Eagles, the New England Patriots late in the season. So it can be done. This team can win a football game. So let's see how real Buffalo is if they can handle business against a divisional opponent on the road. But I think four is a good number. I'm going to give you guys partial credit because this opened at three and a half. But the smart money came in early and moved the line. The public has now jumped on as well to the tune of 82%. And now it's Buffalo by six Ooh. on the road. You, you, but when uh, I hear that, taking debate. When I hear when I hear how heavy that is on the public betting betting Buffalo, it just tells me Miami's going to win this football game. You taking the bait? No, I, these are the games where I stay away from because I don't have the you know what to pull the trigger. All right, let's go to uh, San Francisco traveling across the country to take on a lousy Jets team. This team smells absolutely stinks. They'll probably win this game. But I would imagine San Francisco travels across the country as a three-point favorite against a Jets team that just vomited all over itself last week up in Buffalo. 
I think it's going to be a little heftier than that. I think San Francisco might be favored more like five and a half. Gentlemen, the money has moved this line as well. It opened at six. Now it's at seven. 49ers, 79% are betting the 49ers on the spread. Also, 76% are betting the under. People think it's going to be a low-scoring game. That kind of reminds me, remember, what was it, last year the 49ers played Washington and the game was like 9 nothing. Yeah, that was, uh, uh, you know, San Francisco has these ugly games from time to time. So what's the spread in this one? Seven. Oh, it's seven. Jeez. Hmm. But the over-under is 41.5. Might be an ugly game. Yeah, they don't think the Jets can score. That's the problem. I don't either. Denver's at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, I thought, looked pretty good on Monday night. Denver, eh. Locke didn't impress me. People thought Locke might be this breakout guy this year. He didn't impress me. Now, Sutton didn't play in that game. I think he should be back possibly for this one. Their defense has no Von Miller. I like Pittsburgh at home in this spot. I'm going to go Pittsburgh by a touchy-boo. I like Pittsburgh at six. The touchdown... It's a little. Uh, the touchdown is so many points in in the NFL. It's it's just so much. But we'll we'll go Pittsburgh plus six. Or I'm sorry, Pittsburgh favored by six. Pittsburgh is currently favored by seven and a half. Wow. On the uh, spread, but it should be noted that a couple of the books don't have it as favorable as that. So, for example, there are a couple of books that actually have Pittsburgh minus seven and a half, and it's a plus one hundred on the bet. So maybe if you like Pittsburgh a lot in that game, maybe you uh, can make some extra money off of it. Yeah, that's good value. If you like that, if you like that spread, that is great value. Carolina's going to Tampa. Division matchup there. Bucks 0-1. Carolina 0-1. Do we see a rebirth from Brady? He did not play well last week. Carolina scored some points, but gave up a lot of points in Matt Rule's debut. Tampa, hmm, I don't know what to think about them after one. All I thought was Brady was not the guy that I thought he was going to be. Will he rebound here in two? I got Tampa at home, five-point favorite against the Panthers. I think that might be a little high. I liked—I actually liked Carolina. I thought that they showed you some impressive stuff. While when you're Tampa Bay going up against New Orleans, it's a different type of beast, so losing— and then going to face a Carolina team, a lesser opponent of the Saints, you would think that, you know, they can definitely win that football game. I, I do think Tampa's favored, but I don't know if it's as high as you have it. Maybe I'll go three points. Well, you're both wrong. It's uh, Tampa favored by eight and a half points. Jeez. Wow. Oh, my. Wow. Wow. The big bet on this game is 78% are going over the 47 and a half. It's kind of like they heard you say there, Mike, that, that Carolina gives up points. They I'm going Carolina. Week. I'm going. I'm Carolina to cover, no doubt. I'm locking that in. They gave up 34 last week to their 80s. Yeah, that's fine. I think that they're 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 an average football team. I think I think they're an average team. Like they're not a dumpster fire. They're not great by any means, but they're an average team. So they can definitely win a game against Tampa Bay. You didn't look very solid. All right, the Washington football teams at Arizona. Both these teams looked impressive in week number one. Great defense from the Washington front. Arizona, they went on the road and won at San Francisco. Very impressive. They got some weapons on the offensive side of the ball. Hopkins had a monster game for them. Kyler Murray was running all over the place. 
But is he going to be able to do that against this defense? This one should be a lot of fun this game. I got Arizona at home. Three and a half. I like Arizona by five and a half. Wow. Well, I got to give Broads credit. At least he's uh, closer on this one, but you're both still wrong. It's Arizona favored by the full seven. Jeez. 69% of the bets are going Cardinals on the spread, boys. Vegas bought right into them, huh? So you're going back to that Pepsi Zero. <laughs> I'm a little thirsty. I'm a little thirsty. <laughs> These lines are making him thirsty, Mike. Yeah, exactly. I need my sports betting fix. I, I wonder if it's they believe in Arizona or they don't don't believe in Washington or a combination of both because there's no way you can walk out of that game and go, you know what, Washington's offense is going to be able to score. Maybe they factored it in. The reason why they did score what they did was because of the Eagles giving them such short fieldage. Possible. I, I mean, that Washington offense still has problems. But big time. Arizona's defense has some issues as well. All right, Kansas City's at the uh, Chargers. I mean, the Chargers won on the road last week and beat the Bengals. Kansas City, I think, is just way too much for them, but they got to travel out there. That lowers it a bit. But I'll go Kansas City on the road. Give me 11. My initial thoughts is that's way too high, but so far I think I've said, whoa, after four of these. So maybe you're right. I'll follow your lead. I'll go Kansas City by 10. Well, you're both – have the right idea, but you went a little too far this time. It's Kansas City favored by eight and a half. It actually opened at six and a half, but remember the news that came out today. Marquise Pouncey out for the year. Hip surgery. Mm. What's the spread? Eight? Now eight and a half. Mm. Open at six and a half. Kind of like Kansas City there. Me too. All right, Baltimore's at Houston. A 425 Sunday affair, NRG Stadium, Houston. I don't like Houston this year. I, I just can't buy into that team. They lost their biggest weapon. I think Watson is going to feel the effects of losing the best receiver in football. Baltimore looks like uh, a well-oiled machine. I think the quarterback, Jackson, is uh, better this year than he was last year. This is a kind of a statement game and a team that people thought might be pretty good, Houston, Baltimore can send them to 0-2, and I think they will. I'll go Baltimore favor on the road by five. I don't like Houston either. I originally picked them to win the division, but after one week I, I realized, not that I didn't know that DeAndre Hopkins would be a big loss. I just thought maybe they would look a little better, and I was really underwhelmed with their performance. I like Baltimore on the road favored by six. Well, I'm going to give Mike Gill credit for getting the open. But I'm going to give Bros a little credit for also getting it close because it's actually currently seven on the spread for Baltimore. It opened at five for them. 82% of the bets are going Ravens on the spread. We should also note that a lot of money is going to the under 50 at 63%. I like that Josh gives us a lot of credit because I wouldn't give any of us credit. Even like you got to get it. Well, you know, I'm giving you credit if you get it. But I Josh mean, is like, I'll give Gil a little credit. I'll give Broad some credit. Well, some books have different numbers. I mean, you're a draft kingsman. I'm a bet MGMster. Uh, they might have two different lines depending on which uh, app you're opening up. Like, that's correct. Right? Now, that's fair. But he's like, hey, where I see it here, it's six and a half. You said nine. I'll give you some credit. 
<laughs> okay, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not that fluid. I mean, come on. What game was that? That was, uh, that was Baltimore. Yeah. Houston. Well, that opened up at five. It's now seven across the board. Right. And Mike said five. So technically, he's a little right there. Yeah, I'm a little right. Ten. All right. Sunday night football right here on 97.3 ESPN. You juiced up for this one? Well, Cam yeah, Newton. it's a good game. Cam and the Pats. Russell Wilson. Seahawks. Games in Seattle. No 12th man, though. No 12th man. Although there's like all sorts of like uh, smog skies out there. The Mariners are moving their series out of Seattle. Who knows if they'll even be able to play this game in Seattle, where they might even be able to play this game. Seattle at home, Sunday night football. By the way, I listened to a podcast today with Kevin Harlan. You should hear like what he's gone through to broadcast like the NBA games and then he had to do the game on Sunday and then he had to do the Monday night football game. He was in the bubble in Orlando. He had to do that game down there. He had to get on a plane. He had to get to Cleveland or Cincinnati. He had to get to the hotel in bed. He got there at 1, uh, landed at 1.30, was in bed by 2. He woke up to get – he had to get a COVID test by 6.30 in the morning. If he didn't get the test by 6.30, he wasn't going to be able to broadcast the game. He had to get his results back. You know, before the game started, so he was in Orlando on Saturday. But I mean, and then he had to leave there to go to Denver to go do the other uh, Sunday night. I mean, this the, this podcast was amazing. It was just like a whole thing about what's going on and how they're doing it and where he's at and blah blah. blah. It was unbelievable. Yeah, it's crazy. It's stuff you don't even think about. You know, obviously you you know that these broadcasters are flying all over the place, but with what they have to do now, it, that's that's. Well, they asked him if he wanted to do the Western Conference Finals because Marv didn't go to the bubble, Marv Albert. And because his contract with CBS said he had to be doing the football games and that, that those games were in their normal spots, that's why he's not calling the Western Conference Finals because he has a Turner contract and he has a CBS contract and he has a Westwood One contract and he's contractually obligated to be at those games. And since those games are at the September when they're supposed to be. They're they're on time. The other games got moved. He had a decline doing the Western Conference Finals. Did he say how he felt about that? Like, was he bummed about that, or did he acknowledge that it's fine? I mean, he was bummed, but he also acknowledged that because Marv wasn't there, he was more bummed that Marv isn't able to do the games because he's right. like, he's really the voice of the NBA. No, that's fair. I respect that. Yeah. But anyway, Seattle's at home, favored by, give me four, against the uh, Pats. I can't wait for this game. I want to see Cam Newton in that offense with Josh McDaniels go up against a team like Seattle. I do think Seattle is going to be favored by, I'm going to go three and a half. Mike Gill is correct. It is currently Seattle four. They are favored by, they opened at three. Interestingly enough, the big money is going to Seattle in this game on the spread, but the other money is going to New England on the money line. 64% for Seattle on the spread, 70% to the Patriots on the money line. All right, Monday Night Football right here on 97.3 ESPN. Saints at the Raiders. I like this game. It's going to be in my five, I think. Saints on the road. Vegas looked good last week. They scored 34. I love the Jacobs kid. Do they have the passing game? Can Carr lead them to a victory? No Michael Thomas for the Saints. Vegas at home. First time ever in that stadium, and no one will be there to see it. I got to think the Saints 
No Michael Thomas. Two Saints by two on the road. No Michael Thomas is big, without a doubt. I do think, though, that they have enough firepower to make the spread more than two. I'll go Saints by four. What if I told you that despite that Michael Thomas is not playing, that the Saints are favored by five and a half on the road, gentlemen? I'm not even that surprised. I do think they have enough firepower to take care of business against this Vegas team. They're they're like, I mentioned how Carolina's not bad, but they're not great either. I feel like that's the Raiders. They're not bad. They're not great. They're just the team that can get a win, but they're not disgustingly awful. So 7-9 last year. I think they're a little bit better this year. The kid Ruggs, I think, gives them a nice weapon. Did he get injured, though, or am I wrong? Um... I don't. I don't recall if he did or not. I mean, he's on my fantasy like team. I don't see any alerts on him. Okay, maybe I'm wrong then. That's typical. No. Oh, oh well. <laughs> how about this? Here's your update. Henry Ruggs escapes serious knee injury in NFL debut. Did he have so, to? Leave? Is he playing this week? Uh, I don't know, but he did there not was practice an, today. Oh wow. Oh yeah. How about an apology? That's all. Oh, he is. He does have a, a little red uh, cross uh, next to his name uh, here. So it's almost like I deserve an apology. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's okay. I accept your apology. Thank you. Rugs, I'm taking out of my lineup. I'll put in uh, Justin Jefferson. How's that? You guys now, are so if you win because of Justin Jefferson, you know, maybe I get another well, apology. Uh, Cortland Sutton's my other guy. He practiced limited. He's questionable for the game. We'll see. Ooh. All right. All right uh, speaking of injuries, we've got the doc coming up next. He's got updates Lane Johnson, now we have more information. We're going to talk to the doc about how he should look on Sunday. By the way, that Eagles game, they opened up at three and a half. I think the Eagles are now a point doggy dog on uh, on Sunday. So there you go. That is our first look at the NFL schedule, and it's brought to you by Recovery Centers of America with Drug and Alcohol Addiction Treatment Centers in Mays Landing, New Jersey, and Devon, PA. It's the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. Don't forget, coming up tonight, game night. Josh has Andy McNamara on the show. He's so much fun to listen to, even if he didn't know anything about football. He's just an entertaining guy. You ever hear Andy on the air? Yeah. Man, he is just a ball of energy. He's great. I love hearing I love him energy. every week. Yeah. Uh, so that's tonight at 6.15 on game night. And then Ash Orthopedics. we got a little mix today. we got some baseball. Phils are dropping like flies. got some Eagles stuff. We might even get to some Cowboys stuff. They're dropping like flies, too, which music to my ears. Let's bring in Dr. Kevin McHale, former assistant team physician with the New England Patriots and other Boston professional franchises, and of course with Cape Regional. And he joins us now for the weekly injury report here on the Sports Bash on the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. Welcome back, Doc. How are you? I'm doing all right. I must be. I'd rather be talking a lot of Cowboys instead of all these Eagles <laughs> and Phillies going down, but. Well, we, I got a couple Cowboys in the hopper in case we uh, get that far, but let's get a couple of uh, Philly stuff first here. Philly's placed Reese Hoskins on the 10-day injured list uh, to the uh, ulnar collateral ligament. They're even talking about the possibility of Tommy John surgery. Uh, he said he might be able to come back, but you have a UCL problem playing first base, and that, that seems like a big problem. Yeah, you know, it is a big problem, uh, but this is a little bit different than the typical UCL injuries that we talk about. So, first of all, we're usually talking about people, our pitchers with these types of injuries, and it's kind of a chronic degenerative problem with all that load that goes across the UCL, which is a ligament on the inside of the elbow that helps stabilize that elbow. But in the throwing motion, there's a ton of load across there, and particularly for pitchers, you know, throwing 90-mile-an-hour fastballs, 
can get overloaded over time, and that overuse can lead to these micro tears that eventually lead to a rupture, and then they have that surgery, that that dreaded Tommy John procedure that can lead to a, you know a year and a half recovery. Um, but in position players, the good news is a lot of times it's a much quicker recovery, about half that time, sometimes as short as six to nine months. But usually, again, that's their throwing elbows. Um, in this case, it's his non-throwing elbow, and it was an acute tear, not a, what we would consider like a degenerative tear because it was from that awkward tag that he had. So these things are uh, positive things. You know, position player, his non-throwing elbow, it should be a much quicker recovery time. Uh, that being said, even though it's not a throwing elbow, it's the muscles overlying that area where that UCL is play a major role in your correct strength. And it's unclear if he's going to have the strength to get back before the end of the season, especially with this abbreviated condensed schedule that's coming up. Uh, that timeline that we have is only really 11 days. You know, usually we're talking about a minimum of 11 a week with non-op management for these injuries. So although it's possible because he's a position player and not, you know, non-throwing arm, uh, it's not looking good for this season. Yeah, I was going to say uh, it's a 10-day DL, which means four games would be left in the season unless they made the playoffs. It would be interesting to see if he's able to even be ready for those final four games. That's Reese Hoskins, uh, the uh, owner collateral ligament in his left elbow. All right, let's go to his teammate, JT Real Muto. He has been diagnosed with a mild hip flexor strain earlier in this week. Not in the lineup today. Again, not on the DL yet, or the IL, I guess they call it now. So uh, is this something that you think is like a day-to-day type thing? Should we see Real Muto again soon? Yeah, so this is I'm much more optimistic about this type of injury for Real Muto. So obviously your hip flexor, plays, you know, the muscles that are across that hip joint help with hip flexion, incredibly important for any running athlete, but also catchers, as you can imagine, with the catching position, uh, incredibly important. Uh, that being said, typically players can get back within a week or so from this injury. Now, again, you know, the, I think the, the Phillies have, uh, you know, multiple games in over 11 days. I think what I have 12 games in 11 days left with one day off. So, uh, so every game or every day that he's missing is a real big deal. So I do expect to see him hopefully, you know, before the end of the week. Um, he's not playing tonight, but hopefully we see him this weekend, but definitely before the end of the season. Uh, much more optimistic about his chances to return uh, in the near future as opposed to Reese Hoskins. All right. Uh, now, this one's interesting. Lane Johnson had a procedure done on his ankle last month, a small clean-out. Uh, is what they were calling it. Now, we've come to find out uh, that he had some ligament damage in there. That's why he did not play last week. But getting this clean out so close for the ligament problem, uh, he says he's going to play this week. But would you anticipate that th- that ankle is going to be 100%? So I don't think anyone's expecting that ankle to be 100%. Uh, but I think, as we all know, when we watched the offensive line last week, you know, 75% Lane Johnson out there might help us out. Uh, so a, a couple – a couple of things, though. So we know he had a high ankle sprain last season. You know, he missed, he fought through it for a while, uh, missed the last four games, including the playoffs, because of that high ankle sprain. And a lot of times, high ankle sprains can heal very well without surgery. Uh, and it sounds like his did. I mean, he, he was doing well in the offseason. Obviously, he returned to, uh, to practice uh, and over the summer without much problems. But then uh, apparently, he re aggravated in that scrimmage uh, in August. Um, so high ankle sprains, when you treat them that up, they usually can heal. But Anytime you have a heel of injury, you're a little bit more prone to re-aggravation, which it sounds like he did. Um, when they have a clean-out procedure of an ankle, there's a couple things they can do. Um, arthroscopically, they put a little camera in there, and they can clean out any like loose cartilage debris or loose body floating around there, kind of like shaking a pebble out of your shoe, and they can clean up any bone spurs that help um, kind of prevent motion. So you, you know, decrease pain, increase motion, and can help a lot with these athletes. It sounds like, um, based on his most recent um, interview that it sounds like they may have done a tightrope procedure that was actually made famous by Tua a while back, and that could give that a, additional stabilization to his 
those ligaments that connect the lower leg bones, your, your tibia and fibula, which are injured in that high ankle sprain, um, and hopefully will allow him to completely heal and get back to playing without so much pain. But I think there's no question that he's not going to be 100% this week. But hopefully now that with that procedure behind him, we'll see him getting better and better each week from here on out. Yeah, he said he actually retore an ankle ligament in the scrimmage. So, I mean, how long ago was that? About a month ago. Is this a pretty uh, fast track to get him back? Yeah, I mean, there's no question they're rushing the return. I think, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean it's not safe for him to play, but it, it's a quick return. Uh, a lot of times after these type of procedures, you know, we've seen players get back in four weeks. I think it's even shorter timeline for him if he's going to be playing this Sunday. Um, there's no question his ankle's still going to be sore and swollen. Um, they'll do a lot to help control that swelling. They have these kind of game-ready devices to ice down the ankle and put, kind of apply pressure to get rid of some of that swelling. Um, they'll also do a lot to tape up and support that ankle while he's out there playing because it'll be almost like a cast by the time he's on the field. Uh, that being said, there's no question that this ankle's going to you know, be painful for him this weekend. Hopefully, you know, having him on the field, they'll still improve the Eagles' chances. All right, a uh, couple Cowboys here. Uh, these are very important players for them. That's why we bring them up. Leighton Van Der Esch, a CT scan, revealed a clean break of the collarbone. Uh, how long of an injury is that? And you break that collarbone. I mean, that's something that is a linebacker. I mean, you know, you're you're pretty much uh, making the tackle with the shoulder in there almost every single time. That's a tough one to come. Even when it's fully healed, I feel like that's tough to come back from. Yeah, you know, obviously as a linebacker, they're, they're taking tons of hits uh, in that area, and the collarbone sees a ton of force uh, when they're making those tackles. Um, in general, though, you know, once these fractures heal, they really have a good chance of going on to you know playing without any limitations and not having problems. Though the problem is obviously it does take time to heal. Now, non-operatively, if they allow that to you know to heal non-operatively, it takes several more weeks than if you fix it surgically. Because once you fix it surgically, you have a plate and screws holding that together. Gives a lot more stability to that fracture. It brings those bone edges. Uh, so they're lined up so they can heal across there without jumping up a gap that's there if, uh, if it was displaced. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of times we see players that can, are able to return much faster after it's fixed uh, with, you know, more strength and endurance. Um, that being said, it's still usually at least a six-to-eight-week six to time uh, recovery timeline. Um, and the fracture is not even fully healed at that point. It, on average, it takes at least eight to nine weeks for it to heal, but it should be strong enough to see them on the field. Um, I wouldn't expect, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he takes that full eight weeks to get back out there at, at the linebacker position. Um, but we'll see. We see people um, beat these timelines all the time. Last guy for you, Doc. It's uh, the other linebacker, Sean Lee, who always seems to be out. He's got concussion problems. He's had all sorts of problems, but he's got hernia surgery. And this one seems to be more and more common for football guy, uh, players now, this hernia surgery. He's uh, with Myers up there in Philly. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, we're way too familiar with this with all the saga with Deshaun Jackson last year. And it sounds like they're trying to avoid what the Eagles went through last year. You know, we, you know, we saw, we watched Deshaun Jackson as he tried to rehab that injury and play through it. And sometimes that works. You know, after a short period of rest, you do a lot of rehab and strengthening of the core musculature there. Um, obviously with these, you know, sports hernias, as they call it, it's an injury to the, the area in the groin where the lower abdominal muscles attach and those little uh, muscles on the inside of your thigh attach to the front of your pelvis. And a lot of times you kind of rehab them and, and play through it, but you're kind of rolling the dice because if it doesn't heal adequately, it can continue to linger and cause pain uh, when they get back on the field. Um, as with Deshaun Jackson, when he got back out there, you know, it just comes that partial tear got completed and he was out for the rest of the season and had to get it fixed. Um, by getting it surgically repaired, uh, unfortunately, it's definitely a longer out, you know, time out to begin with. You know, it's a guaranteed at least six weeks out. 
but now you know it's repaired and it's going to heal. Um, the question is how close to that six-week timeline we'll see them on the field. Now, it's not often that uh, – it's very often that sometimes it takes longer than six weeks for it to fully heal and rehab to get them on the field, but it'll be more reliable to kind of roll in the dice and rehabbing it and hoping it's going to heal on its own. All right. Uh, obviously, the Eagles lose. They had a lot of guys hurt last week, and uh, obviously, like to see them get back and healthy. But we always learn something talking to Dr. Kevin McHale and the injury report here on the Sports Bash. It's brought to you by Penn Orthopedics and Cape Regional Health Systems, the best, the best of both worlds for a healthier life. For an appointment, call 609-463-CAPE or visit caperegional.com slash orthopedics. Doc, enjoy the game on Sunday. Uh, hopefully I will. We'll see. Yeah, that was uh, not fun to watch and sit through. And he, like all guests, appeared via the Boardwalk Honda hotline. The doctor back in the house. That Lane Johnson stuff's kind of interesting there, bro. You know, you hear about the ligament damage. And he tore, retore the ligament in his ankle. That's what happened. People were wondering, why didn't he get this surgery? Well, that's why. He had a, he had tore it. Uh, at, I guess they had that uh, scrimmage at uh, the link the other night. Well, that's good to know that at least it makes sense why it happened, because I was one of those people. Well, what the hell is going on here? Well, at least it makes sense. He mentioned that he's going to try to play, but, you know, it could be a uh, could be a problem with him on Sunday trying to get back out there in terms of he's probably not going to be 100%. And that he mentioned that it's going to be like uh, by the time he's out there, he's going to have like a, it's going to be like the feeling of like a cast around your ankle. Hey. Mike Gill here for my friends at SHM Financial. If you're getting close to retirement age or maybe you're even retired right now, I recommend you call Lee Malosky at SHM Financial and he can access your risk profile. Maybe an annuity is right for you. They're not for everybody, but if you're looking for safety, security, preservation of principal, low to no fees, and what's most important, an income you can't outlive, Call Lee Malotsky and the SHM financial team to see if an annuity is right for you. If you're more comfortable being more aggressive, they can do that too. Call Lee, 800-MONEY-SHM, 800-MONEY-SHM. I highly recommend you check out the latest podcast, Election Proofing Your Assets. They talk about what the election might do to the market. You ready for competition? It's time for five questions. Three ain't enough, man, I need five. Number five. All right, five question time now. It is brought to you by GMS Law. Make the right call. Four convenient locations to serve you online. GMSLaw.com. We got today's five to wrap up a very busy Thursday show. We're really busy on tomorrow's show, by the way. Chad Millman from the Action Network. Andrew DeCecco's football at four. Lindsay Theory covers the Rams. She'll join us at 4.30. Happy Hour Friday with the PT. And Casey Jr. with one thought on every game and the matchups to watch from the Eagles-Rams matchup. What do you got today for the five? Do the Phillies bounce back? They have Aaron Nola on the mound, and they're facing Lugo. Do the Phillies bounce back? Nola's on the mound? Yeah, I got to go Nola win tonight. They got they got to show me some life. They got to. They got to. Okay. Now, I just took during the break over six and a half strikeouts for Nola. Would you go over or under? Uh, over six for Nola. I go over. Nola's been six, six and a half. So oh, six, seven. Or yeah, three. I go like over. I mean, he's been he's been striking guys out, man. I agree with that. Will Mo- Mickey Moniak record his first hit? Probably not. I have zippo <laughs> faith in that guy. I'm not excited to see him. I, I I got nothing for him. No juice for Moniak. 
That's awesome. I love it, and I respect that. Celtics or Heat tonight? Going to go Celtics. Give me the C's tonight. I mean, I think this is a back-and-forth series. I think it's really evenly matched. I think it's going to be a fun game. I'm too stuffed to watch that. What's that, a 7 o'clock tippy-boo? 7 o'clock. Yeah. 7 I, o'clock. I, got, uh, I think I got the C's tonight. I hope that we go 7 on that one. I agree. I saw. I want to see more. I saw odds for Nuggies Lakers that the Nuggets go down three to one and win the series plus nine thousand. Would you take that? I might throw a nickel on it. Five bucks. At, at this point, I mean, look, they've done it twice. Shame on us. Right? Just give me a little action. Right on that. All right. right now, now for Thursday night football. Bengals plus six Thursday or Browns favored by six. I got Bengals with the six. I'll take, uh, I don't know who wins the game. I'm not telling you that. If I, I'll take the six with the Bengals on the road. Um, I got Joe Burrow plus 2,200 scores the first touchy boo. Yeah, you're all about that Joe Burrow getting the touchdown, huh? You were talking about it off the air a little bit. I always like to throw a little bet on. Who scores the first touchdown in the game? That's your go-to? I, I just enjoy, like, that first drive and who's going to score. Now, if you lose the coin flip, it kind of stinks because, like, you're like, ah, man, they had the chance to score first. But I got Joe Burrow running one in on a little naked boot down inside the red zone, a little naked booty. And I got Austin Hooper, my brownie going for the first score. I always like the tight end in the back of the end zone on the first drive down the field. Get Is that behind. what you like to do? You look for the tight end? Slipping behind the linebacker. Getting in there behind the linebackers. No one's around them. Linebacker safety staring at each other, pointing like, you were supposed to have them. No, you were. And there's Hooper. Oh, so the most still unass- happened to the Eagles on right. their first touchdown for the for the Washington. Yeah, the most unassuming guy on the field standing there wide open, catches the ball two hands, two feet down. He looks to make sure he's in bounds. That's how it happens. Did happens you do way, that with the Eagles? Happens way too many times. Uh, you know what's funny? I, I did do first um, first score for the Eagles, and I think I did everybody but the tight ends. I had Deshaun Jackson for the bomb. Jalen Rager. So you just you went against your logic. Yeah, because I didn't think they were going to have a nice methodical drive. I thought they were going to go take shots down the field like they did the rest of the game. Now, speaking about going against your logic, something we talked about earlier today, I said, well, we were talking the Phillies, right? And you wanted to get your opinion out there. You asked if I wanted them to make the playoffs. And I said, this goes against my, my way of thinking, but I don't want them to make the playoffs because that would show yeah. Matt Klintak that, hey, his team is good enough to make the playoffs. See, I never have that thinking because I feel like I have to trust the organization enough to know that even if they make the playoffs, they know this team's garbage. And they're not going to be like, hey, we made the playoffs in a 60-game season at 500 when the freaking Marlins made it too. Like, that should tell you enough right there that if you get in the playoffs this year, that doesn't tell you who you really are because the Marlins are not a playoff team. Now, I would love to agree with you that they should know that, right? I mean, like, I I do agree with you that they should know that. But my concern is 
They don't know that. But we got to do this with the Eagles last year. Oh, I don't want them to make the playoffs because then they won't know that they were not. You know, they went out and got rid of every receiver they could find. They went out and, you know, like, they know. And that's why it, I do say normally it, it, it goes against everything I believe in because I'm not one of those people. Look, I want the Eagles to make the playoffs. I want to see some playoff baseball for the first time since, what, 2011? I'd no like love. to just see some playoff baseball and get these guys some experience and at the same time, Get this idiot out of the front office. He stinks. Clintax stinks. Right now, in the whole city of Philadelphia, he's last on the list. Worst. All right, game night's up next. Have a great night. The Western Conference Finals are here. LeBron James and the Lakers are rolling. James the other way.